0: welcome to the mind sex and spirit podcast with Caitlin Cook this is the place for intelligent expansive and no fluff explorations into embodied awakening healing and growth so Ricky Jane Adams thank you for being here chatting with us today
1: my absolute pleasure dear one
0: <laughs> so let's talk about intuition what okay is intuition?
1: What a great question. And, and I begin by saying there isn't actually an intuition, there are intuitions. And this for me is really exciting because it opens up the conversation and there's there's two main forms of intuition there's local and non-local and local intuition is These is borrowing terms from quantum physics of of the idea of you know what is seemingly solid and and of the 3d material plane that we can see when we look around us through our dominant senses and we have primarily through our local intuition that is gut instinct it's that internal GPS that keeps you alive, keeps you safe, um, and gives you warnings when you might be putting yourself in harm's way or when, even when um, someone you love might be in danger because you you have a sense of resonance or connection to them. So this is what we'd call the kind of rudimentary or um primary form of intuition. And the interesting thing is because we're so terrified of anything that isn't through our dominant senses in the Western secular world, we even think of the You mean like our five our five senses? Yeah, sorry, did I say
0: yeah the dominant senses but you mean like like what we can see or what we can hear and touch yeah, yeah. cool yeah
1: because we are so cynical and skeptical about anything that's non dominant um like subtle communication we tend to um think of even gut instinct as being this kind of woo woo and scary and oh my god don't talk about it because we might all end up being in a cult or something and it's so ridiculous it's like breathing we have this if we were to locate it in the body it's literally in the um in the solar plexus you get that gut instinct yeah i should not go with that person or i need to pick up the phone and call that person this is a really primitive or, or rudimentary form of intuition um and we
0: it's not just like a weird thing that evolution like accidentally gave you this weird feeling yeah. when you need to pick up the phone or something like It's a thing. It's a smart part of human Even mechanics. It's
1: based on the fact that we are electromagnetic beings who produce fields, okay, so this is just pure smart. Those fields are interacting with the fields of the world around us all of the time. This is not being special or empathic or highly sensitive. This is just biology. So, your dominant physical body, the thing that looks the real part of you, is simply a very small part of the amount of space you take up. And our. Mm. our fields are interacting with each other all of the time so when you walk through the field of someone who is having a really bad day or you walk into a room where there's just been a fight or you know you're about to get into the car with someone and you get that feeling that you shouldn't that's because you're receiving information that's encoded through the electromagnetic field and that is literally as you say the way that we keep ourselves alive this is not <laughs> there's nothing spiritual about this Mhm. It's, it's physics. physics but- well, yes, and and it is. It's it should be taught to our children because if we were taught to trust our internal GPS, then we would not end up in dangerous situations in the same way, or we would not end up making bad life choices. You know, we we have this as a way to just keep us. On the most easeful path, and we mess it up. And we mess it up a lot by our addiction to stress hormones. So, one of the things that stops you having clear access to that gut instinct is the addiction to uh, the cortisol and the adrenaline and that fight, flight, or freeze response, which most of us live in all of the time because we are, um, you know, believe that that makes us valuable or the world around us shows us that's how we're supposed to be. And so we actually mm. shut down our connection to our um, local intuition by being in that high beta brainwave state, that stress state all of the time. Mm-hmm. Yes.
0: Yes. So that's the local And, I'm local, and look,
1: there, I'm thinking about them discreetly, mm-hmm. but these two forms, of course, work together. But the second one is mm-hmm. the part that I believe is um, our highest form of intelligence. And it's also connecting us to something far greater. And it's what I teach. It's what I train my students in. And this is non-local intuition. Now, non-locality is an idea from quantum physics that states that at the level of the subatomic particle, um, there can be communication across time and space, and there's no limit to this. It can be, you know, light years away or right in the next room. Um, those two particles are able to still communicate as though they were in the same time-space location with no time elapsed, in other words. Now When we look at this Mm -hmm. in terms of intuition, this form of intuition is when we know things without knowing how we know them. So we are receiving information through that non-local mind or that non-local field, which is present at the level of the subatomic particle, but it's also present right up to the entire cosmos like the, 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 everything is is contained within that field um, remembering if we go back to the biological form of intuition that we are producing these these fields uh, these electromagnetic fields and and that creates this one mind or this unified consciousness sometimes referred to as the matrix what we do when we're mm-hmm. accessing non-local intuition through passionately focused attention we can access information anywhere else in the field at will And we learn to do this just as we learn to do anything that we care about with a disciplined focus. If I want to learn to speak French, I will go to the classes. I might take a trip to Paris. I will, you know, order my croissant and my cafe au lait, and I'll learn how to speak French by immersing myself in it. And so it goes with intuition. But what we think is um, that person over there was born with high levels of intuition or what we call a gift, which I just absolutely disdain or that term makes me creep, creepy, feel creepy um Mm -hmm. it's it's not a gift it's innate within everyone but not everyone is going to have immediate ease of access so some people are born with the you know like some of us are born with a capacity to learn a musical instrument much more readily than someone else but all of us do it Mm -hmm. so non intuition Mm -hmm. is really um going to come to life when we decide to discipline it and train it and the benefits are enormous because, of course, if we are one with this one mind, which I call the God mind, but you can just call it the field or whatever you like, what is it that I couldn't know? Like, I have access to all consciousness, all consciousness. And the way I teach intuition is really intuition and consciousness are one or, or intuition is the language of consciousness. So we're looking at at a quantum universe, not a Newtonian universe. So we're non local and a causal without cause and effect, without me driving to the place where the information is and getting out of my car and making a list of pros and cons. I instantly have access to the knowing and that will come into me through my dominant um, Claire. And we can unpack that if you like, what a dominant Claire is. Mm -hmm, So there are four primary ways that you receive your non-local intuition and you will have heard of some of these. There's a lot of misinformation about these, but there's clairsentience, which is... Felt sense, uh, which is there's just this absolute feeling in the body, um, whether that's a feeling of certainty or whatever the feeling is. Then there's clear audience, which is to hear clear hearing, and that's not through your uh, dominant hearing. So it's not like you are hearing as though someone's talking into your ear, but you're hearing in your non-dominant <laughs> senses in the mind, mm-hmm. if you like. Um, you have claircognizance, yes. which is clear knowing, and that can be just the I don't know why I know, but I know this is true. And then you have clairvoyance. Clairvoyance mm-hmm. is the one that people throw around all the time to refer to psychics generally, um, but clairvoyance actually means clear sight. So the information you receive from that unified field is presented visually. So it might be symbol, you know, you'll see mm-hmm. a word visually rather than um, hearing it or knowing it. Mm -hmm. so we have all these nuances of intuition that actually help us when you find your dominant claire and you figure out what it is you it's like meeting an old friend and and all those times that you doubted for example claire cognizance is clear knowing people are so often confused because it's a faculty of the mind or a function of the mind and so they think it's their their brain telling
0: them things Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which tells them all crazy things yeah. Often. yeah. And it's often, the, you know, the mind is not a, a, the best friend, our best friend. It can often no. get us in trouble. So, yeah, people struggle with the, with that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's often associated with men, the claircognizance I find in, in our society as it is today. Um, but it's about, you know, what what actually turns our intuition on is trust, and unless there is trust in that higher consciousness guiding us, that there is a sense of inherent interconnectedness, that, that we are willing to believe that we are part of something greater than our individual self, intuition is not going to flourish.
0: Mm. So how like, yeah, how do you know when you're receiving intuitive wisdom versus it's just your imagination or your fantasy? Or just something crazy?
1: <laughs> I like that you use those two terms imagination and fantasy because a big part of the training that I do is for us to reclaim imagination as a as part of our higher order um, intuitive capacity and to see the difference between that and fantasy and I mean mm. fantasy. fantasy is an avoidance technique so fantasy is often and I'm not talking about in a sexual context I'm talking about in the context of you sit at your desk in the job you hate imagining that you're going to win lotto or fantasizing you're going to win lotto and and daydreaming your life away because you hate your reality but you're unwilling to take any action to change it. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that's fantasizing like where you are you are you are trying to avoid taking action by just hoping something's going to come in and change things for you. Imagination is actually one of our greatest if not our greatest capacity to turn our intuition on and you know my students will often begin a workshop saying it's just my imagination I'm like yes exactly it is because if we talk about this in terms of dimensions I talked about the local and the non-local you can also think of this as the 3D which is the local plane material plane everything I can see around me everything that is visual invisible or experienced through my five dominant senses you know sound, mm-hmm. touch, hearing and then I have then we have the this non-local plane which is where you know the the invisible plane if you like because we can't see energy we we could if we decided to train ourselves but mostly we don't and that non-local plane is a function of our electromagnetic makeup it's part of our, you know, quantum understanding of what we are, not our Newtonian understanding of what we are, uh, mm-hmm. pure wave, not particle at all, but pure vibration, pure consciousness, pure energy. And, and that is the 5D realm. Now, what is the bridge between the 5D and the 3D? That is the fourth dimension. The fourth dimension is intuition or imagination. So, in order for from a quantum perspective of what we are and what the what the world is and what what all, all life is it is uh, it is pure consciousness, so it is it is pure pure wave, it is vibration, it is not solid or fixed, and when we understand how to direct consciousness, we are able to manifest in the three d or local realm now that is done in the highest level of intuition. By being in communion or partnership with that one mind, that non local mind, we receive the intuitive knowing through inspiration. And we take action because we trust that inspiration. So if you think of imagination as inspiration, when an idea drops into your consciousness that has come from that non-local mind, you take action rather than going into doubt and saying, who am I to do that? I couldn't possibly do a project that big, or I couldn't move to that country on my own, or, oh gosh, it feels so good, but I couldn't do it. And the doubt is the ego mind or the the local mind coming in and and trying to use evidence to say, you you can't do this. Look at all the evidence don't have enough money and you, you're not good enough and there's a 100 other people doing that. So the fourth dimension is intuition but it will appear as imagination or inspiration and that's why we have to practice in order to know the difference because if you don't like if you don't work the muscle of your intuition you will never trust it and you will never develop the strength to take the action that you're being asked to take. So it's it's not as kind of uh, Something outside of you is is dr- going to give you some instructions, and you they'll be like a neon light, and you'll know it will be subtle because it's the subtle realm or the non-local realm that's communicating with you, not not the three D, literally a neon light. You know, mm. that's a long mm-hmm. answer, but I hope it hope it, it satisfies. <laughs> yeah.
0: So a way that I also kind of maybe feel the distinction between imagination and intuition and i'm and i'm hearing that they're actually like two sides of the same coin or maybe they're even described as the same thing but um in some ways i kind of feel like intuition is something that comes to me when i'm open and receptive whereas imagination is something that i activate when i'm still in that like 4d connection space but it's like, do you know what I mean? It's like one that I'm kind of bringing my my life force to activate versus intuition is something that just kind of like comes to me.
1: Well, I think that's interesting, Caitlin. And I, I kind of disagree because I think there's a this idea that intuition is outside of you is a misnomer. In, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, the ultimate endpoint of intuition is the overcoming and the belief of separation. It's... I am the one mind. I am not receiving from the one mind. So intuition and imagination are both internal functions for me. In truth, it's coming up from within. Um, And there's a law, the second immutable law, which is as above, so below, as within, so without. And that's how I think we can start thinking about intuition. I think what you're saying about imagination is absolutely right, that the imagination flourishes when we we know creatively for ourselves that when we're in an open and receptive state exactly as you say where we're out of the critical analytical brain and we move into the alpha brain wave and that alpha brainwave is also creativity and um intuition flourish in when we're in the alpha brainwave state so they're actually it's like imagination is the doing of intuition if you like it's the way that our we we receive this non-local information into our local beings and the the function of the the human brain is like the hardware that receives the inspiration and it shows it to us through the capacity of the imagination you know there's this idea that we've become so concretized in our contemporary world that we we have actually shut down the faculty of our imagination to such a great extent and we 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 live in this kind of very um concretized or very solid or very particle based you know very um 3d way and that is the death of mm-hmm. our intuition you know to be truly intuitive you want to be um to use dr joe dispenza's term you know less particle more wave you want to become less certain of who you are you want to deconcretize yourself you want to stop being so certain because that shuts everything down. And it's actually going into the void, into that place of pure potential, which I believe is what imagination is. Everything is up for grabs. When we're in our imagination capacity, Mm. everything is potential. Everything is possible. And it's only when we try to bring it down into the 3D that we will often feel that that's where the doubt or the the fear or the sabotage will enter into it. So I, I feel that they're actually very much one and the same and and you can't access your intuition unless you are in your intuitive in your sorry in your imaginative capacities
0: Mm, I like that and I like I like that distinction of feeling that I am the one mind or I'm separate from the one mind and I receive the knowledge from the one mind but what you're reminding us is that we are the one mind and so it's actually yeah, we're just in the soup of wisdom all the time. And it's just whether or not we're opening ourselves to that, to that wisdom.
1: Yes. And the the concretization is what shuts us down. And in truth, we're never shut down. But if you think of it as like your energy body or your subtle anatomy contracts when you're in fear or you're in doubt or you're trying to work things out with your analytical brain, Mm. you actually get tighter and closed off. And our ability then, just like when the body's stressed, like when you go to make love with someone who's not ready, there's this absolute, uh, the body's not open, it's not receptive. And and intuition is a receptive divine feminine power. Um, And so when you're shut down, out of fear or whatever stress, or which is a form of fear, you shut yourself off from the one mind. You don't ever stop being part of the one mind, but you can't receive it into you. You know, it's it's everything's in that survival mode. Um, so when we when we open, we know that flowering, that opening, that that, that you know that expansion that happens in that that beautiful sense of the way everything becomes lubricated mm-hmm. and and receptive. It, we, we are able to open to what we are, which is this beautiful union. You know, the beloved is within. It's that that union with self and overcoming the belief in separation is the only way that we will return to the full expression of our intuition. It's the only way we'll return to anything, of course, because mm. ultimately, you know, it's a spiritual path for me. And you, there's no point pursuing your intuition if you don't want to meet yourself as God.
0: Mm. Amen. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I'd also uh, love to hear some examples of how, like, say, um, you know, a situation arises and I don't know how to go forward. And normally, like how, you know, most of us have been trained, it's to think about it and think about the options, make a pros and cons list, get really, like, masculine in my analytical approach so how would you how would you go through like like being presented a a conundrum about like a job should I take this job or shouldn't I um is this person really right for me um or yeah like what am I doing in my life right now like this doesn't feel right but I don't know how to go forward like how would you how would you open intuition into that into those spaces
1: I love that question, because of course, this has to be applied. Otherwise, it's all esoteric, and it doesn't have any use for our lives. For me, intuition is ultimately a state of being. So I live in my intuitive intelligence, I don't drop into it when I want to know something or, you know, Mm. have a question I live in the flow state which is that you know and I this is on my best day of course I have days where I definitely don't live in the flow state but on the good days I'm flowing with the infinite consciousness or that one mind and and I never need to ask a question it's literally like if I took a misstep I would feel that I'm clairsentient so i way and I would course correct and that might be half a day of going into devotion and using my tools and getting myself back into right action or it might be 30 seconds of just oh I've gone into a space or a state or, a you know, a choice that isn't congruent um, and I can feel that and I'm going to step away from it until I get clarity. So that's the kind of highest function. But how we get to that state of living in our intuitive intelligence all the time is that we need to practice, practice, practice. And to do that, what, one of the things that we often um, misunderstand about intuition is that it, intuition is a function of the heart-brain and not the third eye so it's actually a function of the metaphysical and the physical or anatomical heart and the third eye is often associated with that kind of um symbolic or intuitive sight but it's if you think of it it's the periscope of the heart it's not the the origin point so i'll just quickly talk to you about the heart brain if you're happy for me to do that and that
0: Mm, please yeah
1: Okay. So there's an amazing institute in the US called Heart Math Institute. And since the 90s, they've been contributing phenomenal research into the function of the anatomical heart. They mostly work in corporate US settings, uh, but they have a lot of proponents who are much more spiritual and take this work out. And I first heard about this from the great spiritual scientist, Greg Braden. Now, what we have inside of our heart, our anatomical heart, is a cluster of 40,000 neural cells, same as the cells in the brain these are also present in all the major organs and the gut and we talk about the gut brain quite a lot but unlike the gut brain or the other organs these cells are concentrated in the heart so they're potent they're much more potent than the the cells that are spread out throughout the gut brain what heart math institute have done through a series of studies is demonstrate that the heart brain is precognitive so if we go back to this idea of the the non-local mind or the unified field that we're all part of, this inherent interconnectedness of all consciousness that we're all part of, this is just the way it is, the place that receives that into your body, that, that understanding, that knowing, that intuition is your heart. So Heart Math Institute conducted a study some years ago where they prepared student or sorry the subjects with um, this practice called heart coherence and we can go through that together afterwards if you like because it's probably the number one um, recommendation, three-minute practice that to increase intuition. The subject mm. it's like a form of or meditation, but it's very, very focused they were prepared using heart coherence and they were very experienced at using this particular technique to control their heart rate variability. Then the subjects were wired up to have all of their measures, body measures taken, skin conductivity levels, um, ECG, EKG, making sure I get my acronyms right, um, HRV, heart rate variability. And then they were sat in front of a computer screen. And the, the program was going to randomly choose emotive images. So either good Or bad, negative, or or positive um, emotions would be elicited by these images. There was a time set uh, prior to, you know, that the number of seconds before the image would flash up on the screen, um, and then uh, that they would take the measures, then the image would flash up on the screen, um, and they would then obviously look at all of the data. What they discovered was the subjects received uh, the information via the heart brain six seconds prior to it flashing up on the screen. Three seconds later, that information was shared from the heart brain through the neural superhighway that connects the uh, heart brain and the cranial brain, and the, the brain received that information to then send to the body, the body would have the physical response through the chemical hormone signals that the brain sent out. So that all happened six seconds prior, or the the heart registered what was going to flash up on the screen six seconds prior to um, the image even being mm. selected by the computer. Now, I interviewed uh, what the, one of the leaders of, of HeartMath last year and he said the really fascinating thing about this is that the six seconds is arbitrary. They just had to pick a measure for the study. Um, but the potential exists that it could have been two days before <laughs> or 20 mm. before, um, that they could have taken that measure and the data would still be accurate because at that level of non-locality, time and space don't function in the way they do because it's acausal. Um, so this this evidence is truly gobsmacking. When we start to think about it, um, not only is the heart brain the place that that sends more information to the cranial brain than the other way around, that our highest form of intelligence is actually by bringing the heart brain into coherence, because then all the other systems of the body come into optimal functioning, including the cranial brain. So if you sit down in a stressed out state and make your pros and cons list and try to figure out the best next step for your life, you will never ever have clarity, and you might randomly choose the right right choice um, in. but you will never um, be making a choice from your highest form of intelligence until you learn how to bring your attention to the function of your heart brain so the heart brain also produces the largest electromagnetic field of any part of the body it's five thousand times uh bigger or sorry 500 times bigger than the, the field produced by the cranial brain and if we go back to the idea of the one mind being this very, very big field, you can see why the heart would have the most intimate connection with the non-local mind because Mm it producing the biggest field and that field expands with passionately focused attention. We can talk about how you do that.
0: Yeah, yeah, let's do it. So
1: heart coherence, I actually teach this practice in, I guess, a more spiritual way. But I'll quickly tell you what heart, uh, the heart coherence according to heart math is, and then I'll guide you through my
0: slightly more spiritual practice. Awesome.
1: Um, so heart coherence is uh, taught in you know all kinds of contexts. So they, heart math try to stay really secular, I guess is a good way to describe it. So the way they practice is there's no touch, the eyes are open, and you could literally do it anywhere. You could be at a boardroom meeting or on a bus and it wouldn't matter. No one would know you were doing it. For the purposes of of my way of teaching it, I call it heart congruence just to differentiate it and just to explain that it's going to be slightly different. So this is going to take about three minutes. So should we do it together now?
0: Yeah, let's do it.
1: And for anyone listening, of course, if you're safe to do so, I invite you to close down your eyes. And if you don't want to close your eyes, you can just turn your gaze inwards, Just, just lower the eyes or just withdraw from the world around you. Take a deep breath in through the nose and hold at the top of the inhalation just for a moment. And then exhale out through the mouth with an audible sigh, letting go, letting go of all the effort required to bring you to this point in your day. And I invite you to Do that two more times, really filling the belly as much as possible as you inhale, holding for a moment at the top of the inhalation and then exhaling out of your mouth with an audible One more time, feeling yourself fully arriving in this ever-present now. And notice now that with your eyes closed and your breath deepened, you're sinking even more deeply into your seat. And you're signifying to your autonomic nervous system that you're very safe. You're safe to be here. And we move away from that high beta brainwave state, that incoherent brainwave state, with every breath. Moving into alpha, where we open to our creative, intuitive capacities. Now, taking two fingers or the palm of your hand to the center of your chest and placing a gentle pressure there. We're signifying to our consciousness that we defer now to the heart brain. We feel ourselves dropping out of the cranial brain. We're going to use our brilliant imagination now to cultivate an image of something or someone that brings us deep feelings of appreciation, joy, freedom, compassion. It might be the feeling of sunlight on your skin, perfect cup of coffee, a smile from a beautiful stranger, whatever it is, keep it very simple. And with laser-like focus, keep your mind attuned to this image. And as you do, let the feeling build up in you. As though you're feeling a balloon that surrounds your body. With passionately focused attention, keep bringing yourself back to that feeling, using the mental image to do so. We'll just move into silence for a few moments now. Stay present. See how full you can make that balloon or that bubble of energy surrounding you. Now take a deep breath in let it go lower your hand to your lap and when you're ready blink open your eyes okay so that is mm. heart congruence adaptation of heart coherence by heart math institute and that practice can be done at any time, usually for three minutes at a time would be ideal and, of course, that wasn't that long but I didn't want too much
0: quiet on your podcast. <laughs> yeah, radio silence.
1: <laughs> it is um, it's profound in its power. Because of its simplicity, it can be easily ignored but the results are spectacular because you're expanding. And did you get a sense of that expansion around your body?
0: Yes, yep, definitely.
1: Yeah, so eventually you don't need the mental image at all and even just the touch, it becomes a body-mind program. That touch will just instantly expand your subtle anatomy, which is what we're doing. We're we're expanding the electromagnetic field around our heart brain um, with this passionately focused attention. And that's if you are still at the phase of intuition where you do need to get clarity, you would take your question into that state. So you'd get into that state and then you would ask the question, or you may find that that you never need to ask the question because the answer comes because you've mm. to the highest form of intelligence that you have. Um, it's it is absolutely the science.
0: And so, say uh, we do this little meditation. We bring in our question, and then we like often when I when I uh, talk about what is an authentic, authentically nourishing. Way forward with my clients, like say it's a, um, the the question of like what kind of job, like what to do with their career, or whether or not they want to have the sexual engagement with someone, or what they want to eat for dinner, and it's I talk about it being like it feels like a contraction in the body is a no, and a um an opening and expansive feeling is a yes, and that's like that sort of embodied feeling. But when we're in this sort of bubble, when we're in the space of heart congruence, it's like whatever feelings in our body whatever images we see in our mind what if we hear in our mind as well it's like just to be really aware of those and to receive them as messages yeah
1: yeah and I think you know the contraction and expansion is a beautiful way to just know you don't need to know why but to trust that your body is the barometer of your soul the body is giving you really good information if you're not in that that addiction to your stress hormones of course remember that mm-hmm. if you're right mm-hmm. That's why we have to go into heart congruence because if you're in a stressed out state, you can't feel because you're contracted already and there's no information getting in. Um, so you know, for me because I am clairsentient, which means I feel or experience my intuition through the body sense. Um, it's it's absolutely as you describe it, it's contraction or expansion. Now, for those people who are not clairsentient, that analogy of the contraction or expansion may not be as relevant, but it's still occurring just through their their dominant clair. So intuition always feels like certainty. Now The challenge with that, Caitlin, is you might be getting information that contradicts what your ego wants. So, mm. you then go into a battle between head and heart, literally. Yeah. Um, because now we know the heart brain and the, the cranial brain will be fighting each other um, for supremacy if you receive information that is different to what you're wanting or what your expectations are, or if the intuition is guiding you to do something that's going to make you unpopular. We're so.
0: And that, that's the thing, right? Because it could be your expectations, but it could also be the expectations of your mother. And so, if your heart is saying, but I want to do this thing, and your mind is saying, but mum said this, yeah yeah there there becomes this battle
1: absolutely and it's you know that's why I talk about spiritual fierceness or spiritual self-esteem as a precondition for a really turned on intuition because if you are looking to gain approval for yourself outside of yourself then you will never trust yourself you will never trust your intuition so mm. you have to be totally self-sovereigning to be in the fullest expression of course we're we're baby steps baby steps baby steps and we get to that point where we know we do not doubt our intuition even if it is telling us or showing us or, or we're feeling something that is contrary to everything um else now I, there is a caveat here that I want to just say intuition is always certain and it's always like an anchor for me like it's like a a comforting weight like a weighted blanket there's it may be information that's like oh fuck I I can't believe I have to do that now I really just wanted to stay in this marriage or you know not move countries or whatever it is but it's often um you know often people confuse it with these when we get into um these heightened states where our adrenaline Mm. that is often not your intuition that's actually you're trying to or there's a I'm trying to describe it it's it's all physiological and hormonal but you're in this heightened state the heightened state is when you should never make a decision okay it is never your intuition when you get into that oh my god I should just spend 20 grand on that program with that person because I need it even though I can't afford it and I'm just going to pay now I'm just not going to think about it that to me, is always an ego fear-based decision because intuition will never lead you down a path that will cause you harm. Now, if you looked at a program that you decided you had to do and your intuition felt 100% certain, there's a very good chance that what you'll feel is that heavy, comforting certainty, but you'll also feel the fear, okay, of I don't know how this is going to work, but I'm willing to do it anyway because I trust. So th- mm-hmm. I hope that subtle difference is is it, it's once again why we have to practice, practice, practice. But I know a lot of people get angry with their intuition and say, I followed my intuition and it totally let me down when they were actually just making... A decision out of this kind of panic, tightened. Oh my god! I just have to change something because I feel out of control, and I just need to change something to feel back in control. It's yeah, it's a fear response, and this is why the way I teach intuition is a hundred percent about meeting and releasing subconscious fear, because the only block to your true intuitive flow state of being is the subconscious fear program. Um, subconscious fear can show itself in ways that feel like it's the right choice um and I'm always asked how do I know the difference between my fear and my intuition and you know for me now it's glaringly obvious but I can understand that whilst you're you know if you want a six-pack you will go to the gym or wherever people go to get one of those and you'll work every day to get it until you get there you may think it's an impossible thing but everyone has the capacity to have a totally turned on intuition all of the time it's, it's it's just about that decision do I want to live from my highest form of intelligence
0: mm. do you feel like maybe part of the distinction like like if I'm if there's this 20 grand course and I think I want to do it and I like it's the difference perhaps that in that state there is this kind of um like franticness to it or like ungrounded but when intuition's there it's kind of got this like it might, not, it might still not feel easy or at all rational, or you know. But but there's kind of this like softness or grounded slowness to it in a way.
1: Yes, I absolutely love that description of it, and that's kind of what I'm getting at with that word certainty. Like, as in mm. certainty is like an anchor. Like it, do, it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, and I absolutely love the use of, you know, what you were describing there. I can't remember the word you used exactly, but that flightiness is never intuition. Um, Mm. and that's the thing. Intuition will lead you to feel really fucking uncomfortable a lot of the time. So it's not that that certainty is like, you know, a hug from Nana. It's, it's that certainty of I'm lining up with, truth here. And that mean yeah. I do have to end a marriage or disappoint someone or let my mum down or, or, um, you know, break up with a friend. And even though that scares me, I know the truth of it. Yeah. Intuition is not about the comfort zone. Never. Because intuition is the growth zone. Intuition is leading you back to the truth of what you are, which is infinite unlimited consciousness. So you are going to have to give up a lot of your limited beliefs and and your limited ways of being and your addictions in order to do that in fact fear cannot come with you so of course everything that is terrifying is probably going to rise up to be met and that's how you know you're on the right path my darling and that's what we mm-hmm. want to use our intuition to avoid feeling uncomfortable Mm-hmm. Tell me the right answer so I never have to go through another breakup. I never have to suffer. I never have to make anyone I love suffer. Just just give me all the answers. And we go to psychics to get someone to take responsibility for our life so we don't ever fuck up or that we never have to make the hard choices. And it's the opposite. Change is the only permanent. So, of course, intuition is often going to be the thing that leads you to change. It's not going to give you comfort for the known. It is not interested in your comfort. It is interested in your evolution. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I've been reading a lot of Osho lately and he talks about this so much that like that the only life, life only exists when you're taking risks. If you're comfortable and I don't know, in, in the known, you're in a comfortable grave and you don't know it. And the only way to really actually be in contact with the unknowable with that divine consciousness is to be in the unknown, which means taking taking risks that don't feel don't feel comfortable and don't feel easy but that's where the that's where the expansion happens and I guess this is the thing with the trust right because it's like trusting that even though it's uncomfortable and even though I don't know exactly you know I might know the next step but I don't know what the five-year plan is but it's it's just trusting trusting the trusting the process trusting trusting the unknown trusting intuition and i guess it's like even even like when you know when i'm hiking or something and i've got my little lunch pack i've got my tools with me i've got my flashlight i know that i've got the tools with me i don't know what's going to be on the other side of the mountain i don't know what animals i'm going to meet on the way i don't know what night is going to feel like i don't know if it's going to rain but i've got my raincoat i've got these different things i've got you know plasters in my bag if i get a blister so I guess it's like trusting that I've got, I've got what I need and intuition is part of that, that power.
1: Yes, I love that analogy. And it's absolutely true because you won't get the next step until you take the first step. Mm -hmm. and if you if you keep waiting for the five-year plan or the map for your life before you trust the first intuitive download you will never get the next one and then you'll just sit there waiting for something that will never come because when if you knew everything in advance there'd be no discomfort there'd be no growth so you know calculated risk or the or the the risk that it has a sense of certainty to it not risk for risk sake because we've all done that we've all you know fucked up because we've just behaved in a way that was risky because it was like I don't want responsibility right now versus you know risk that is absolutely coming from that place of of grounded connection to the one mind mm. and you know, it's that you know, intuitive intelligence as our highest form of intelligence is partnering with our analytical intelligence, it's partnering with our creative intelligence and our emotional intelligence. Like these things don't operate in isolation. You are going to call on your known experiences as well as what you've studied, as well as what you've lived to to create a life that is that is making really um, well what I would call holy choices. You know, it's not about being like, irresponsible or about abandoning, in, uh, like, just just being, often what people will do is use their intuition as an excuse to act in a flighty, ungrounded. Or, like,
0: self-centred kind of way.
1: Yeah, or just totally fucking irresponsible and causing harm to everyone left, right and centre because they're like, this is my intuition told me to do this. And it's like, actually, just being a little bitch and you know stop <laughs> doing that or whatever it is. But, we, you know, it's just it's this way that we misrepresent intuition if we thought of intuition as an intelligence we would train it like we train all of our other intelligences
0: yeah so one thing that I noticed in that bubble meditation you led us through it's a meditation and as in any meditation the mind comes in and it starts to remind me about the emails that I haven't sent and that I need to get to the bus at 3 p.m. and And so with intuition, I'm just, I'm just, um, and you've talked about how the the heart brain and the cranial brain can battle for supremacy in a way. So I'd love for you to just talk a little bit about how to relate to the mind when we're tuning into intuition and the mind pops up and, and not that it's like, it's a, um, antagonism between them, but like maybe how to have mind heart coherence as well.
1: Well, yes, and that's what you do. You remember there's the neural superhighway between the heart brain and the cranial brain. So you actually bring the cranial brain into optimal functioning for life. And that includes um, helping to still the ego voice, which is that chatter, um, often unhelpful chatter, um, and to actually bring it on board as a friendly ally. So you're actually co-opting it into your plan, <laughs> if you like, rather than trying to exclude it because that never works, does it? Excluding things never, ever works because then you want to... It more or you can't you know it, it's it's a faulty way of thinking overcoming the belief in separation includes calling back home that that the function of the um, ego mind and just reminding it of of its appropriate place if we were trying to be in the world without the ego mind it would be pure suffering we wouldn't be able to manage it because our poor beautiful sublime spiritual selves would be so overwhelmed with the chaos mm-hmm. of the world so the ego has a function. It, it it the very biggest thing that happens when you practice heart congruence consistently is that you produce that state without needing the mind at all. So the body does it and this is called the body mind. The body, like any, you know, we go into, um, you know, stress when there's no external stressors, that's an addiction. We can create an addiction to these beautiful, happy hormones. Um, And so the body will go into that state without you needing to produce um, a mental image at all. So the mind can be doing anything and you can still produce this body-mind response, which eventually will train the brain to come on board. And that's exactly what happens with stress. That's what anxiety is. You start to feel the bodily response. Then you go to your mind and look for a reason. Um, mm. And that, that's the addiction we need to break. And and we can use that in the positive, and that's what we're doing with heart congruence. So with practice, um, with that discipline, you know, three minutes will probably be impossible for most people to start with. You, I say focus passionately on that one mental image for three minutes and you might get 13 seconds. Um, mm-hmm. but eventually. Eventually you will, and eventually you don't need the mental image. So it, it really is then just about being in that state without, you know, you want to live in that state basically. Um, mm. And if you practice using it at critical times, like before a big meeting or before an argument or, you know, potential argument with a partner or before you go into any situation that would otherwise normally feel stressful, because there's only one of us here, there's only one consciousness, you actually program the environment that you go into. So you're actually setting yourself up and everybody around you for the highest possible outcome. And so we're actually then becoming self fulfilling prophecies that we hold a vibration that imprints the fields of all those around us and we actually start to see the results. And we are so result driven as human beings. If you start to see the results once, you will trust it and you'll do it again. Um, so you'll, you, you will notice that the evidence then creates the conditions where the mind can silence itself and Even if it's not there immediately, it won't cause disruption to the process. The process can still happen, even with the mind chattering away.
0: Mm. And that's important
1: for us to understand. The mind will never be silenced, but it can be co-opted into our plan.
0: And that also doesn't mean that we should. So, as you were talking about having an addiction to the positive feelings in life, it's not like a spiritual bypass where it's like you know something. Like my mother just died, and like okay, just think think about like the nice image, the nice feeling of me with sunlight on my skin, and and just don't think about how sad it is that your mom, my mom just died. Um, yeah. so it's not like avoiding life, but it's rather like and allowing us to digest and process the like life as it comes up. But I guess not being taken, not not making um those circumstances into our master that we are still the master of our, our experience and we can also call in these states into our body as well.
1: Yeah, I love that you've brought that up because spiritual bypassing is a problem because we, as I said before, we want to use our intuition to ensure nothing goes wrong as though we could get the answer in advance and protect everybody from having their mm. life none of our business their life is their life so intuition is always um, a function for ourselves and I just wanted to add that before we go on to this point yes radical acceptance of what is is the only way that you can create another scenario if you like. So another way of saying that is if you are not fully on board and aware of and present to what you're feeling, you can't learn how to then cultivate feeling states that are will create a vibration that is greater than external evidence. And and this is ultimately where I guess there's a little bit of a disconnection because what we're actually doing is cultivating a vibrational set point, which really has nothing to do with emotion. So one of the practices that we do in the third level program is that the women, when we meet fortnightly, they rate their vibration. And, and eventually we learn that we know we rate it out of a hundred and that can be at a hundred. And it literally could be the vibration we're holding is at a hundred and my mum just died that mm-hmm. could be sitting there crying their eyes out absolutely feeling the grief but their vibration doesn't have to drop or change because we're learning how to master so we stay open to the one mind we stay open to our intuitive capacity but we are still fully present to the human experience of our grief and we're mm. not trying to bypass anything we're simply aware now that I do not have to use my life events as a reason to shut myself off from mm-hmm. the one mind. yeah so radical acceptance you've got to be present to what is before you can create anything and and it doesn't matter if what is is not pleasing to you you need to use that as a, as a way to understand what what might need to change you know there's there's always there, there is always growth through the big emotions. We know that. We're, we're going to grow more quickly through the bigger emotions, but we are able to stay in a high vibration and still feel our emotions. Um, and that is quite difficult for most people to understand, but it's where we get can get to.
0: Mm, and I kind of feel like it, it really speaks to me of just that feminine capacity of just openness and receptivity and even when like really really painful stuff happens in my life I just open to I let my heart break open and I feel it move through me ripple through me and I'm still open and I'm still open to that fourth dimension fifth dimension world um everything's open so that like there's really no reason ever to close
1: I love that so much. I think you've just explained it so much better than I did. And it's absolutely that's the truth of it, my darling. It's like, you're not, you're no longer judging your life events as good or bad. You're not sitting there saying, my mum shouldn't have died. It's like, well, actually everybody does. So it, it's, it's not a matter of us getting to decide what is right or wrong and playing God. When we're in that state of, of vulnerability and openness, we are keeping our heart open and we're not saying I get to use the events of my life as a reason why I shut down and I'm angry Mm. or I get to yell at God or, you know, we absolutely just stay present to the continuum of experience. And, and the less judgment we hold, the more our heart can open, the more our intuitive knowing mm-hmm. can with us all of the time. And we don't need to know why things happen the way they happen. This is not the function of intuition to solve the mysteries. You know, intuition is ultimately a function of mysticism and the mystic is one who is comfortable with the unknown, with the mysteries. That's their their whole mandate is to sit in spiritual paradox and to know that they don't need to know why in order to still be able to to work with that life experience. Um, but we want yeah. to solve the mysteries. And so we get angry when we don't get the answers. Why did that person get cancer? Why did that person have to die? Why did children get harmed? It's like it actually isn't up to us to need to know why someone's soul is having the experiences they're having, but we get a choice about how we respond to it. And that's what will end or increase our suffering.
0: Hmm wisdom uh one one thing I did I mean you 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 touched on it when you were saying you know people get upset when they follow their intuition and then it doesn't work out and then it's you know really depressing and and also um you spoke about how intuition doesn't always lead you into comfortable places which means that it might lead you into a place of decay and everything breaks apart and that's exactly what needs to happen but can you talk a little bit about that process when, yeah, intuition leading us into places and, and then we had this vision of what we thought it was going to be like when we got there and then it wasn't. And yeah, it just how to relate to, to the mystery of living a life with intuition. Yes.
1: And and I go back to what I said before, intuition is not interested in your comfort, it's interested in your evolution. So in my philosophy, we come into earth school, we have this life in order to go on the journey of awakening or, or evolving our consciousness. And, you know, intuition and consciousness are, are very, very well, intuition is the language of consciousness. So, where we will be leaded is the most expedient path to our awakening okay however there's a few caveats to that one is was it really your intuition before you get really angry with god or the infinite or whatever perhaps it was one of those heightened flighty hysterical decisions you made and now you're blaming your intuition because you just want to be angry with something or more likely your your decision is absolutely the right one and there cannot be a wrong decision. There actually can't be a wrong decision when it comes from the place of is it love or is it fear? So people get very worried about making the right decision. But if you know, if we talked about, as we talked about before, intuition flourishes in that state of expansive openness love whatever word you want to use for it and it shuts down in a state of fear so whether or not the choice was made from love or fear will give you a really good indicator of whether it is actually an intuitive choice if it's a choice for love and it still didn't turn out according to your expectations there's a good chance that it was the best outcome for your evolution and that if you could zoom out you know, a couple of million light years away from this one little tiny life that you're having that feels like everything but is actually just a continuum of your soul's experience, you would see the purpose of that event or the way things worked out. Mm. You know, there's... there's there's also no one decision as you know you don't make one decision and then yay i never have to make a decision again <laughs> like it's it's that's why i talk about the ultimate state is being in a continual flow state because every decision is directing Your experience, not just the one big kahuna decision. It's every decision you make after that, that, that is either from fear or love or congruence or incongruence is another way to say it, that will then determine how something works out because there's no fate. It's not like everything's predestined and we can awaken through joy as much as we can awaken through suffering. But we have to be making congruent decisions. Those are not the easy decisions. They're not the decisions that keep everyone happy. So, if we're spending half our time trying to figure out how we can get everyone to like and approve of us, then we cannot be connected to our intuitive knowing. It's an impossibility because we're trying to choose from an incongruent place. We're choosing from a place of lack, of fear, of please love me, please like me, please keep giving me the things that I need to feel safe in the world. And you are in distrust. It's faithless to live that way. So you might make a really great intuitive decision and then get really scared and want everyone to approve of you or approve of that decision, and things will then change about the outcome because of those choices. Everything is like nothing gets by God, like nothing gets by this one mind. God's completely impartial, but the law is always the law.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Wow, Ricky. Amazing. (laughs) Um, Wow. So if people want to go deeper with you, there's a few different ways. You've got a book, you've got a three year three year program.
1: I would love it to be three years. It's only a year. You,
0: i would okay. to
1: come up with a three-year program. I think that will be the next Yes,
0: yeah. <laughs> But there's three levels to it, right?
1: It's called the third level, yes. Ah,
0: uh, okay.
1: It has now become its name, if you like, by default. It used to be that I had a level one and level two, and this was the third level. Now I don't have a level one and level two, but it has maintained its name. Um, <laughs> but it, in a cool. way. So the third level is a year-long program. Program to train as a qualified, um, clinically trained um, intuitive guide, and that is a global program. The live training happens in Bali um, over an eight-day retreat, but it's a year-long immersion, and it's personal development, of course, spiritual development, and professional development. Um, if that is work you want to do um, in the world, and that's for anyone who works with intuition in whatever capacity, not just as a you know, a reader, or a, I don't use that word, but that's sort of understood, um, and that is uh, happens twice a year. We have an intake, and it's it's a profound sisterhood. It's only open to women, um, and it is, um, as I said, it's there's sisters all over the world, and we work with the three archetypes of the priestess, mystic, and leader, um, and those are the three qualities or energies that really I believe set you up to become a truly um, powerful. Um, spiritual leader. Um, and in a smaller format, we have, um, the initiate program, which is for personal use. That is actually, um, something I'm, I'm going to Ireland on Saturday to do, but by the time your audience hear this, it'll be over. But it is a full <laughs> as a pre recorded online self study, and there will be, um, live versions of that happening. So all of that information is on institute for intuitive um and yes the book is spiritually fierce and that has a lot of what we've talked about in it and you can get that on amazon and booktopia and all the places
0: That's amazing and you're on instagram and facey in and all the places
1: all those places yes and um the, the the book is also an audio book now which i'm very excited about so you if you prefer to-
0: oh did you read it I out loud read it yes
1: All my <laughs> cool. had to come in somewhere
0: amazing so good um, and do you, do you work one on one with people as well? I do not.
1: I I teach my primary role is as as the principal of the institute and I train women to work one on one. Uh-huh. So, they, so that that are like support is there. Amazing women listed on the institute's website who are qualified intuitive guides who have been qualified by the institute and they will they're fear hunters. They go into your subconscious, they look for the primary fears that are blocking your intuitive intelligence and they work with you um co- you know in a, in a partnership to clear those fears um, in a very efficient and um exciting way
0: amazing cool thank you so much Ricky. this has been so so brilliant and i feel really um yeah expanded and alive so thank you my
1: absolute privilege to be here my you.
0: thanks for listening to the mind sex and spirit podcast for more resources like this to work with me one-on-one or to join me for an event visit CaitlinCook.com. sign up to the newsletter for monthly inbox gems about the mind sex and spirit and you can also find me on instagram and facebook at the Caitlin cook i want to say a huge thank you to our sponsor for this podcast thank you thank you thank you And if you enjoyed this episode, please visit patreon.com forward slash Caitlin Cook to support the next season of the Mind, Sex and Spirit podcast. Your support really helps. So thank you.